Psalm 119, verse 160. The Bible says, Thy word is true from the beginning. Do we believe that here at Grace Baptist Church? Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us this book. Lord, if you hadn't revealed your word to us, we wouldn't have it. You've given it to us as a gift, as a guide. Lord, we're so thankful for it. Help us as we study today and as we begin this study on your word. Lord, help us to have confidence in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's look at a couple of other verses right here in Psalm 119. So let's read 160 again. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. And we'd all agree with that. Amen. Look at verse 140. Thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. Do you believe that God's word is very pure? Very pure. And because it's pure, we can love it. And we're going to look at some things that the Bible claims for itself. But our attitude toward the Word of God is we must love it. One thing that uh, Laura and I were talking about this morning, we're reading some verses that we'll go over today. And we both said we just felt guilty that we don't spend more time in it. Do you all agree with us on that? And I understand there's only so many hours in the day, but I hope that through this study that you will have a greater desire to spend time in His Word because it's so wonderful. Again, verse 140, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Do you all agree with that verse? Amen. Now look at verse 128. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And can we get an amen there? Everything that God says about everything is right. How are we on the next part, though? Let's finish that verse. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. This is what the Bible does for us. We gain such a love for the truth that we understand that a a departure from the truth is then a false way. And if we love the truth because it's pure, then we, we must hate the false way. We must. Look at verse 104. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Look at the next verse. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We've seen that. The boys just did that song. And we've seen that put on pillows and needlepoint and all that. I've never seen verse 104. On a pillow. Isn't that interesting? On a t shirt. That's <laughs> what somebody said. So here's what we're going to try and do through this series we're going to learn to better love God's Word, to better trust in God's Word, 
to better believe God's Word, which will cause us to have a visceral reaction to false ways. Amen? And we've got to live right in this world. We have to understand that God has revealed truth for us. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So anything opposite of that will bring you into bondage. And Jesus Christ wants us to be free through the truth, through the truth. So let's, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. This is what we're going to work on today. This morning we're going to look on the inspiration of Scripture. What does that mean? Why do we believe in it? Why is it important? You know what? Before we do that, I have three or four different directions that I could go this morning. And uh, so I, I want to I start here. Let's look at what the Bible does for us. This is why we should care about what we're doing. Let's look at some things that the Bible does for us. Number one, number one, the Word of God is necessary for salvation. It is necessary for salvation. First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Word of God is necessary for salvation. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. All right? Verse 2. 1 Corinthians 15, 2. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. What does it say there? And that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Without the Word of God, we wouldn't know that. The Word of God is how we know these things to be true. And the Bible is so important because it's necessary for salvation. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. We are going to be digging through the Scripture quite a bit today. And if you're new to the, to the Word of God, to, to handling the Bible, the table of contents in the front, that's what it's there for. Don't ever be ashamed to use it. That's what it's there for. All right? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. The Bible says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Why don't we read that verse out loud together? 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So this is why the word of God is so important. A person cannot be saved without the word of God. It is necessary for salvation. Well, then I guess it would become very important to us to find out where the Bible is. We've got to have it. If a person is born again by the Word of God, then we've got to find the Word of God. Where is it? Where is it? Is it available? The other thing that we must understand is that if we are standing for the Word of God, if the Word of God is necessary for salvation, how many of you think Satan's going to be for it? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. For we are, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. See, we are not as those which corrupt 
the Word of God. So if the Word of God is necessary for salvation, Satan's going to hate the Word of God. That means that there are going to be people in the world who will attempt to corrupt the Word of God. And that has happened. There have been people, and there are people today who are still trying to corrupt, to undermine, to distort the pure Word of God. We learned this morning, the Bible says that His words are very pure. Now, when I see that very pure, how many of you are like me? You're thinking of the ivory soap commercial from when you were young. Anybody you thought of that when you heard that very pure? What, what was the ivory soap? 99, 99 and 44 100% pure. And we knew it was pure because it would float. Now, I don't know about if that's true because I've seen lots of stuff that's, that floats. That's not pure. Okay. You guys are filling in the blanks with all kinds of stuff that I never intended. The Bible is not 99 and 44, 100% pure. 100%. It's very pure. Well, that means that any corruption would attempt to make it unpure. Isn't that right? So, as we understand this, the Word of God is necessary for salvation. The Word of God is also necessary for understanding and wisdom. Look at Psalm 119, verse 100. Psalm 119, verse 100. This Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's about the Word of God. Psalm 119, look at verse 100. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. How many of you have heard this? People used to believe someone said this in the past, so-and-so said, just because something is old doesn't mean it's true. David Jones, the, the great Baptist preacher from the Church of the Great Valley in Pennsylvania, he was a chaplain in uh, the, the Revolutionary War. He was a translator at the Treaty of Greenville here in Greenville, Ohio in the 1700s. Um, I was reading his journal, and he was coming back from Ohio, going back to Pennsylvania, and he camped out. He wasn't feeling well. He was sick. And so he let off a certain amount of blood. He bled himself because some old guy told him it was a good idea. Now, of course, the Word of God says the life of the man is where? In the blood. In the blood. It's interesting. So here we have a great man of God who had listened to some false science. And how many of you think that helped him? You ask George Washington, right? That's not a good idea. What the Word of God does is it makes me wiser than the ancients. I, the Word of God is greater truth than all of the truth of all of history. It gives me understanding. It gives me wisdom. So without the Word of God, I don't have understanding and I don't have wisdom. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, according to Romans chapter 1. Look at Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28. Look at verse 4. Proverbs 28, 4. They that forsake the law praise the wicked. How about that? If you love the Word of God, if you love what the Bible says, you're not going to praise the wicked. All right? The Bible says, verse 4, They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend 
with them. Isn't that interesting? Look at the next verse. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. You see, when I seek the Lord, how do I seek the Lord? Through His Word. When I seek the Lord, I have understanding. Evil men reject the law. They reject the Word of God. They reject the Scriptures. And a wicked man will praise that. A righteous man will contend with that. They'll fight against untruth and error and exalt the truth. Amen? The Word of God says. All right? So it's necessary for salvation. It's necessary for understanding and wisdom. Look at John 14, 23. John 14, 23. How many of you here today would say that you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Here's how we know whether or not that's true. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my what? And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. What is that saying again? You can't get saved without the Word of God. And if you love Him, you will keep His what? Words. Look how specific that is. Because there are some people that say, I believe the Word of God. They just don't believe what it says. They don't believe the words. And what we're going to come to see through this series is that God has inspired His words and has preserved His words. And we have His words. And this is another thing that we must come to understand. Not everyone who calls themselves a Christian believes that. You see, the Bible says that the time would come when men will not endure sound doctrine. When they're going to hate his words. They're not going to receive his words. Now, again, simple question. Since that was written, is his return nearer or farther away? It's nearer. So as we get nearer to the return of Jesus Christ, the more his words will be rejected. And how is that going to happen? How is that going to happen? Through Romans 16, 17. Look at it. 16, 18. Romans 16, 18. We looked at this verse in our Sunday school class this morning for a minute. Romans 16, 18. And this is people that would cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. All right, that's who's identified in verse 17. And verse 18 says this, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. God wants you to be happy. And if you're happy, then God's happy. And if God's happy, then we're all happy. Aren't you happy? Let's pray.
Was there any gospel or actual good news in that? No. What was that? Good words, fair speeches that contradict the words of Jesus Christ. You see that? So now, according to the word of God, if we love Jesus, we'll keep his words. Why? Because through them we have salvation. Through them we have understanding. Have you ever needed comfort and hope? Where are we going to find true comfort and true hope? Look at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Look at verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Patience and comfort of the Scriptures. Anybody here that could use some comfort and hope? Seriously. Where are we going to find that? In the Scriptures. In the Scriptures. It's going to help us if we as a church grasp these things and understand them, believe them, and stand for them. The reason this book is so important is because it's where we, have, it's where we find salvation. It's where we get understanding. It's where we get comfort and hope. And have you ever been at a loss for words for someone that, that, that needs help? Where's the comfort and hope for them? It's in the Word of God. It's in the Scriptures. And I promise you this, if you live long enough, you're going to need that comfort and hope. You're going to need it. Then, it's where we learn about God. Look at John chapter 5. The Word of God is so important because it's where we learn about God. John 5, verse 39. Well, one of the problems that we deal with today as believers... Is there anyone here that's born again, you know for sure that you're saved going to heaven? Anybody here? You know for sure. Okay. As we interact in the world, what we're running into, what we're bumping up against every day are people who call themselves Christians, but who live by the Thomas Jefferson Bible. How many of you knew that Thomas Jefferson published a Bible? Do you know what it was? Thomas Jefferson was a deist, so he believed in God. He just didn't like the supernatural or the judgment of the Scriptures. So he published a New Testament containing only the verses that he believed were true. You can still get a copy of it. Anything supernatural, anything about eternal judgment is removed. How many of you would say... That's what the Christians that I work with believe. Would you raise your hand? See, that's, that's what we're bumping up against every day of our lives. Because the, the Jesus Christ that people are worshiping is not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Why? Because the Jesus Christ that they've been taught, they were not taught from the Scriptures. They were taught from anecdotes, from stories from dramas, from whatever. It's just not from the Word of God. Look at what the Bible says. John 5, verse 39. Jesus Christ speaking. Search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me 
that you might have life. You see, the Word of God is where we find salvation. Isn't that right? How do we find salvation through the Word of God? Because Jesus Christ is revealed to us in the Word of God. So there are a lot of people that study the Bible. They don't believe the Bible. But look at what it says. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. You see, Jesus Christ is the one who stood up before the Pharisees and said, ye blind guides, ye whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. You're of your father, the devil. You're a liar, and he was a liar before you. That's the Jesus Christ of the Bible. That's not the Jesus Christ that's presented in modern-day Christianity. The Jesus Christ that walked into the temple in John chapter 2, and He saw the corruption of the worship, and he made, a, he made a whip of small cords, and turned over the tables, and drove thousands of people out of that temple by Himself. That Jesus... That's not the Jesus Christ that's presented to people in this day. Why? Because they do not believe His words. They do not keep His words. Jesus was so adamant about that, about the corruption of the temple, that He did it at the beginning of His ministry, and He did it again right before His crucifixion. Can you imagine those, those, those priests and Pharisees when they saw Jesus coming into the temple again? Oh, no. Here He comes again. One more time. How many of you think that that is the Richard Simmons Jesus? This effeminate uh, little house on the prairie, Reverend Alden Jesus. No. No. This was the kind of Jesus that would have gone to man camp. Amen? That's our Lord. That's our Savior. That's who we learn about in the Scriptures. That's the one who's coming back. That's the Jesus that we worship. He loves us so much that He would drive out error and then sit down with the poor, with the lady who's caught in adultery and demonstrate the love of Christ to her. That's Jesus. That's the Jesus that's presented in the Scriptures. Where do we find out? In the Bible. It's necessary for salvation. The Word of God is where we get understanding and wisdom. It brings comfort to us and hope. And it's where we learn about God. And then, most importantly in all of this, look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Why is the Word of God important and important to believe? Look at verse 46. Verse 44. John 12, verse 44. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that, sent, he, and he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. So he's saying this, if you believe on me, you're not really believing on me, you're believing on the Father. And if you see me, you're seeing the Father. That's what he said. All right? Now look at what it says in verse 46. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words, what does he say there? And believe not. I judge him not. How about that? 
Does that mean you don't have to believe in Jesus? Let's finish the verse. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. What is the, what is the, the final judge at the last day? The word of God. That's why it's so important that we find out where it is. Does it exist? Where did it come from? Do we have it? Can we trust it? It's vital for us to know that it's true from the beginning. Look with me at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Chapter 3. In verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So the Bible says that all scripture is given. By inspiration of God. So what does that mean? How many of you have ever heard this? That the definition of inspiration is... Tell me what you've heard. Inspiration means God breathed. And I've said that in our Y Baptist book. I've got that written. God breathed out the words of Scripture. But do you know what I found out? And this happens over and over and over again. What I've heard all my life isn't always true. Inspiration. What is inspiration? So this is the foundation for our study. We understand what we've, what the, the introduction that we've laid is the Bible's pretty important. Would you all agree with that? All right. So since it's necessary for all of those things, we need to learn how we got it. And the Bible says it was given by inspiration of God. What is inspiration? Well, inspiration, look at the middle of that word. Spire. Do you see that? S-P-I-R. See that? Inspiration. Inspiration. The, the S-P-I-R there, it's really interesting in your English Bible. The reason this word was used was because that's what the Greek says. That The basis of that word is the word pneuma. Pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit. All right? That, that Greek word pneuma in your Bible, 300... And 22 times is translated spirit. 91 times is translated ghost. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. 332 times spirit. 91 times ghost. One time wind. One time life. Never breathed. Never in one place is the word breathed there. Why? Because this idea of, of breathing... That's physical. This is spiritual. It's spiritual. So what is this talking about? This is talking about the way that the Word of God came to us. And let me tell you why the God breathed is a problem. B.B. Warfield, in the uh, late 1800s, 
Princeton theologian, was fighting against modernism. He was one of the early fundamentalists. He was fighting against modernism. One of the attacks of modernism was the attack on the authority of the scriptures, the verbal plenary inspiration of the word of God. What does that mean? Verbal, the very words, plenary, all of them. All right? And so in explaining this word, inspiration, he coined the phrase, God breathed. It never existed. That understanding of that, defini- of that word never existed before Warfield penned it. We have the definition of it in our Bible. And this is something that's so wonderful about the Bible that you hold in your hands. It defines the words itself. The other problem with the concept of God breathed. Here's what we were told. God inspired the writers of the Bible to pen the words. How many of you have heard that? The Bible never says that. It never says that. The Bible says that the words are inspired. The words are inspired. The process whereby we got the words was inspiration. It never says that the men were inspired. Later it says that holy men of God were moved by the Holy Ghost. But the words are inspired. Here's how we know that. Go to Matthew chapter 6. I'm sorry, John chapter 6. I'm sure Matthew 6 is good also. But we're going to go to John 6. And this, I don't know if we'll get much farther than this right here today. But this is awesome. When do you see this? I love it when familiar verses... You know, verses that are familiar to us when we find the context of them. It's a blast when you see that, okay? So Matthew chapter 6. <laughs> Thank you, John, chapter 6. And look at, let's start reading in verse um, 59. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. I've actually stood in that synagogue pretty cool. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is an hard saying. Who can hear it? You know, Jesus said some hard things when he was here on earth, and he was describing his death and the, the idea of eating his body, drinking his blood, and all that stuff. It says, these things, in verse 60 again, many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? I love that teaching from Jesus Christ. What's the best way to challenge people? With questions. Doth this offend you? And what would, what would your first reaction if Jesus said that to, to you? No! <laughs> Look at this. Verse 62. What... And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. So he's telling them, well, what if I'm gone? What if I ascend up? Now, when we see that, what do we think of? His ascension, right? This is John 6. It hadn't happened yet. For us, it's a fact of history. For them, they're saying, what? What? Right? Look, verse 63. So, so now look at what he's talking about. He's been talking about his body. And what if I ascend up? 
Verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. Now, let's stop there. It is the spirit that quickeneth. What is that talking about? Keep your place here. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Because the Bible defines itself. Is that right? 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall, who shall judge the quick and the dead. These are the two kind of people that cross the street. <laughs> okay. Who shall judge the quick and the dead. I think there's a Louis L'Amour book by that title too, isn't there? The quick and the dead. Don't draw unless you're going to shoot. Don't shoot unless you're going to kill. Louis L'Amour. Amen. Okay? So the quick and the dead. Quick is alive. Dead is dead. <laughs> okay? So now, let's go back to John chapter 6. It is the spirit that quickeneth. Makes alive, right? It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words... That I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The words themselves are spirit. The words are life. How is a person born again? By the word of God. The words are spirit and they are life. Now let's look at the context. Let's keep going on. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, and he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Yet think, people get excited when it's new, but when it gets real, you see who, who's going to keep going. Isn't that right? Isn't that life? All right. Verse 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Anybody here get goosebumps right there when you saw that? This is just the Bible defining itself. The words of God are spirit and they are life. Inspiration. The Holy Spirit of God is in the Word of God. No. The words of God. So important that we get this. Now, look at verse 63 again. You cannot separate spirit and life. If there's no spirit, there's no life. Isn't that right? Because it's the spirit that gives life. His words are spirit and they're life. That's why we understand the Bible the way that we do. They, they'll no longer live. If you distort the words of God, distort the message of God, it has eternal consequences in the lives of people. No. Someone might immediately run. Are you saying that if a person doesn't use the same Bible as we do, they can't be saved? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. 
That's not what I'm saying at all. But I can tell you this. Either we have God's words or we don't. And I'm going to give you something that's really profound that you've probably never thought of before. You ready? Young people are going to want to write this down. Things that are different are not the same. Now, would you all agree that's a true statement? Things that are different are not the same. You've got two things that both claim to be the words of God, and they're not the same. Somebody's wrong. So we've got to understand how important this study is. Where are the words of God? But let's track this down a little bit more. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. Spirit and life. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How cool is that? God's Word is so consistent. Don't you love it when familiar passages all of a sudden get tied together and you get understanding from them in your Bible? It's just awesome. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Hold on. Must be 1 Corinthians. Yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you're taking notes, I'm sorry. How many of you have learned when you take notes for me to wait a minute? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody has a new Bible and they have all these cross marks where they've been trying to take notes. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and look at verse 12. Now we have, I'm sorry. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing, what's it say? Spiritual things with spiritual. What are these spiritual things that we compare? The words. Their spirit and their life. That's how important God's Word is. That's why as we do this, how many of you in the past, as we turn the pages of Scripture, that light starts coming on and you get understanding about what's being taught? Has that happened? Why? Because the words are spirit in their life. And we understand the mind of Christ by comparing things spiritual with spiritual, comparing the words of God with the words of God. That gives us our understanding. But here's what happens. Look at verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Here's the problem. Most of the people that are doing Bible translation are not saved. They're not born again. They don't believe these words are spirit and life. They don't believe. They do not believe that God has preserved every one of his words. They don't believe that. So what is their product going to be? The result of that belief. You see, that's where the study is going to become very important. We're going to learn the, what, what is behind the translation of Scripture. What do the people believe who are translating the words? What, they, what do they believe about the Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, as well as what do they believe about the English? 
Because you understand what you believe out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We're going to start to understand some of those things. And it's going to help us immensely. But we have to understand the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? How do we have that? Because we have the Spirit. Because we have the Spirit of God in us and the Spirit of God in His words. And His Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. We have the words and we can believe them. We can study them. We can trust them. Oh, there's so many other things I want to get to. But I think that's a good place to stop this morning. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? The only way that you know that is because it was revealed to us in His Word. And then He's told us, then He's told us, if you love me, keep my words. Through this study, we're going to learn how to keep His words. You know what the best part of it is, though? He's already kept them for us and given them to us so that through His Spirit we can keep them in our lives. Praise the Lord for that. I'm so thankful that He's given us a book that teaches me how to be saved, how to have comfort, how to have hope, how to have wisdom, and that by which I'll be judged. Got it right here. I can read it. I can know it. I can understand it. Why? Because His words are spirit and they're life. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word. Father, I'm thankful that they were given by...